Okay, I'm back. So this is part two of um, this particular download that came to me um, called The Center of the Universe is Within You. In the first part, um, we talked about that everything that is seemingly outside of you is actually a part of you. There's not an outside or an inside. There's just awareness and experience. And we talked about um, how that plays itself out and, and uh, different ways of looking at that and that the energy of the whole always comes from the energy of love. That was a key point in that discussion. You can go back and listen to it. Uh, part one, this is part two. And we ended that uh, in terms of uh, li living from the whole. So this next segment is kind of talks a little bit about how to live from the whole. So I'm going to read the whole segment and then we're going to go back and talk about it. Um, and then, and then uh, Ellen will read again at the end. So it starts off, the idea that there is no outside or inside is not a concept in which the ego or the separate self can experience. For, it is, for its only reference point is as a separate consciousness. So in order to really grasp and understand from a place of wisdom, you have to begin to cultivate your connection with your soul. That is the starting point from which the experience of wholeness can be had. How do you do this? This is the most important question to ponder. Not to figure out, but to pose the question of your inner self. By posing the question and allowing the answer to arise is the path to enlightenment, is the path to discover the experience of the soul. In order to do this, you have to learn to be still and not think, not figure out, not analyze. These are the tools of the separate ego self and the part of your mind that operates that way. Let's call that part of your mind the lower mind. Lower not in status, not as a value judgment, but lower because its scope of understanding is limited to the point of view of separation as parts and cannot conceive or experience wholeness. In order to contact the soul, you have to surrender your intelligence the way the ego perceives it. You have to give up trying to know or figure it out. And for most, doing this seems foreign, may seem untethered and even fearful. There may be a suspicion inside of you that losing yourself that is like dying or disintegrating. And these are all the impulses of the ego mind, the lower mind that one so strongly identifies with. So, oh. I like All this right. one. <laughs> There's so much here. All right. Well, Ellen, why don't you start us off? Okay. Well, last time we talked about that there's no inside or outside. Um, I think many of us at some time have really been outside focused, where we're invested in our day-to-day uh, -day life, um, in deep in our relationships, um, scurrying about 
doing many things, um, having uh, multiple things to focus on, you know, um, being able to do multitasking. That used to be a really big thing, as if that was a great thing. And we didn't even focus on the inside. And then through growth and some teaching and uh, a lot of us awaken to our inside self and trying to figure out our feelings and being distraught and things like that. And then to get to a point where this concept of no inside or outside and that inside and outside are both characteristics, those viewpoints are both characteristics of the separate self, mm. the ego. Absolutely. So, you know, it's good to appreciate, you know, even though growth isn't totally linear, where we've come already, and those of you who are tuning into this, uh, you wouldn't be tuning into this if you haven't grown to some degree to, to incorporate this. So, um, the whole idea of um, that the idea of the viewpoint of wholeness and moving from the separate self and the, the wisdom here talks about in order to really grasp and understand from a place of wisdom you need to be able to cultivate, you need to begin to cultivate your connection with your soul. So, you know, first of all, the idea that it can be cultivated, that's hopeful, <laughs> and that we have a direction. That we have a direction that a soul perspective is somehow, and you know, like above and below, it's somehow like a larger perspective. So an element within it, it's like, it's like, can a wave recognize that it's really part of the greater ocean uh, or the sea? It's like one element is the separate self is so focused where it is that it can't see the larger picture. So, you know, to grasp that. So this idea of cultivating your connection with your soul, what do you think? What, what, from your experience, how, what is that? Well, I think that's a key concept that we've been experimenting with. I've been experimenting with for a long time. And I would say over the 15 plus years that we've been studying together in our spiritual school, that's the biggest thing that's changed for me is who I identify with. Mm. So this lays out, there's two things here. You have an ego... And you have a soul, what they're called, calling a soul. The ego thinks in parts and separation. Thinks these things are outside of you uh, that have nothing to do with me. right? The soul thinks in wholeness, meaning we're all interconnected, we're all part of the same thing. It's a completely different point of view. And as we said in the last talk that this energy of wholeness the um key part of it the the base note of it is unconditional love so when you're coming from the soul you're coming from the energy 
of unconditional love. And the ego um, is the one that's trying to gather and get things outside of you to create a sense of wholeness. Isn't it funny how the ego is trying to gather enough stuff so it can feel whole? Right? It's a way of looking at it. But it, it, it can never be enough stuff because it's always just looking at the parts. But the soul somehow can see the whole, can experience itself as whole. It has nothing to do with whatever you've gathered. It's an experience inside and it comes from the energy of this unconditional love because unconditional love is the energy of connection, of no separation. Mm -hmm. Right? So I think that's really a key point here is how do you develop your experience of the soul? And I love that it said, um, don't try to figure that out. Why not try to figure it out? Because the only part that figures things out is the ego. So if you try to experience the soul or wholeness from trying to figure it out, then you're back in the parts. And it doesn't work. It'll never give you that experience. It'll give you a maybe close to, kind of approximates, but it's not really the experience. So... And it, and it says something, I think, very provocative. It says, what you should do is just pose the question of your inner self. How do I experience the soul? How do I experience wholeness? And then sit in silence, stillness, and allow whatever answer wants to arise to arise. This is great. <laughs> and so a lot of people have trouble getting still. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and and even even with practice, maybe there's an art to it or it takes patience uh, to know that um mm, there's lots of different ways to bring that about and different people can start out at very different levels. Um, you know, um, you know, some people can't be still even physically, you know? Um, so there's relaxation exercises and guided meditations to progressively relax your body. And one of the things that I've come across is that the more you relax your body, your your consciousness relaxes, your mind relaxes, and that uh, that's sort of an entrance point um, to calm oneself down. And then, if you uh, seek a, a regular practice of meditation, and there's all different ways to go about this, um, and and I love that it's underlined here: learn to be still. It can be learned. This isn't just uh, <laughs> happen. Yes, some people may be better at it than others. And each one of us knows what we need to, how that we need to navigate to that. It's not the kind of thing you could kid yourself about. Well, you could, but it, 
backfires. And this idea, learn to be still and not think. I remember there was an exercise in our studies some years back where we were instructed to spend 10 minutes without having a thought. The whole time I thought I was doing it wrong because I could not do that. And um, so, but just to know that that's a goal and to have that um, in our awareness, and then we can start to notice where we can get quieter and quieter. It also helps us recognize how habitually analytic we can be. And then we might encounter some things we need to let go of there. And if you need help, uh, Michael does that kind of work. I do that kind of work. Other people do that kind of work. You'll know what you're guided to. So um, it's very simple um, and it may not be easy. And that doesn't mean not to do it because this is the path. This is the path. So to do our best to get our feet on this path and to stick with it. So what I wanted to ask you, Ellen, because we know each other for a long time, is, um, and we've both, that's been our focus for a long time, this idea of stillness, right? Mm-hmm. Can you describe to me what your, what stillness is for you? Well, the word that comes to mind is no thing. Mm. No thing. It's like an emptiness. I can't say it's really empty, but it's, it's a, I guess on one level, it's a quietness. You know, it's like depths of quietness. Um, sometimes there's more depth to it than others. Um, you know, coming from a chatterbox brain, it was dismantling all of that or knowing that it could relax. Um, and that in this realm of connecting with soul, um, how can I, um, I wanna say I can't hear anything when I'm talking So it's the kind of quietness that allows other experiences. We know what stillness is, you know, when you ring a bell and then it stops vibrating. Um, It's something like that on the inside. And I would say over the years in, in reaching to attain this, um, that sometimes it would occur spontaneously, where all of a sudden I feel, oh, wait a minute, this is that, you know, and, and not really feeling like I had a grip on it so much, on the way to the skill um, of Flipping into it intentionally. Um, so I don't know what else to say about that. No, 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 that's great. 
That's great. So I've been... Uh, so I like your idea that, you know, there were some techniques and ways to create stillness. So one of them is relaxation. Relaxes some of the... Your mind's not so active, right? And it begins to calm down. So you have these spaces of quiet, right? And I would, I would say my biggest challenge to really sitting in stillness, which took me a long time to even begin to experience. And I've been meditating for 40 years. So, <laughs> so only in the last couple of years, I really feel like I, I kind of mastered that a little bit. A little bit, right? Mm. So, um, so what happens is that I used to think that stillness, or sometimes they use the phrase um, emptiness or the void, mm-hmm. right? Those are synonymous with stillness used um, when people discuss it, when masters discuss it. I used to think that meant nothing was happening. And, I, and there was never a time where nothing in my my experience was blank so that's a little confusion i think people have there it's like everything's turned off and it's blank so I, that's not been my experience of stillness but what i found out was that as i began to meditate and there were different techniques to focus like, um, and one of the um, popular focuses is on your spine, right? And that seems to bring your consciousness in a different way, right? And they've also done studies with um, uh, where they measure your brainwave frequencies. And master meditators have different parts of their brains light up. And they're in different um, lower brainwave frequencies, right? So they can kind of track that. Um but what I discovered that was really interesting to me in the last couple of years, because I have very interesting meditation experiences, have for a long time, and I would get different visuals I might hear, like I get these downloads, right? Uh, and different things would happen to me that I thought were really interesting. And then I would meditate, if I had an interesting experience, the next day I would try to recreate that interesting experience. That is not sitting in stillness. <laughs> that is my mind trying to create and operating rather than being. It's doing now. So to me, sitting in stillness is the act of non-doing. You're not doing anything. And I usually like, when I lead people in meditation, I like to give them something to focus on in the beginning because to just be and not doing is a very um, advanced practice Mm -hmm. to be able to do. It's not easy. So if you give somebody a focus in a meditation and then ask them, uh, you get them into a certain brainwave frequency, and then you tell them to sit in stillness or not do anything, Mm -hmm. they have a better chance of that happening. And what I find happens in stillness 
is that things arise of their own without me doing anything. And it could be completely different each time. One time it could be a visual. Another time it, I could hear sounds. Another time it could be a felt sense of energy. And it could travel and move if I, if I sit in the stillness long enough, you know, because we meditate together all the time for like a half an hour, right? Where we mm -hmm. sit in stillness. In that half an hour, lots of different things can occur, but they occur, they seemingly occur of their own accord right. without me trying to manipulate them. So, so my advice to people listening here is to, took me a long, long time to get that. You don't have to take as long <laughs> to get that. So the idea is to do something that quiets you, so starting with quieting your body, something that allows your mind to, to let go of, you know, you're not trying to focus on your day or what's happening. If your mind does that, you say, we'll do that later, right? And let yourself get into this inner place and you'll know what it, excuse me, feels like. And then see if you can just sit in stillness without doing anything and but be hyper aware, a heightened sense of awareness. You're watching for what arises. You're not asking anything in particular to arise, but you're very aware and you're watching for it to arise. And if you do that, you begin to feel the flavor of your soul. Mm. You begin to feel the flavor of wholeness. And it's like an elixir. It's, um, it's, like, it's like a drug. <laughs> You're just like, I want more of that. That feels really good, is what happened to me. Right, so I would, so that would motivate me to meditate more often because I wanted to have that experience. But I used to try to duplicate that experience, and the minute I'm trying to duplicate it, it takes me out of stillness, gets my mind involved in trying to manipulate something or, or bring up an old memory, and I'm not in the present time. So I learned the hard way, you know, over time. Because we would, you know, we discuss these things all the time. Yeah. How many times did I tell you, what is stillness? I don't think I've ever felt it. <laughs> I, I mean, for years I would tell you that, right? <laughs> and you would sit there, well, I don't know, it's just stillness. <laughs> you were trying to explain it to me. But um, I finally got it, <laughs> what it was like to just be in a, a awareness, an observing awareness. <clears throat> and if you can be in observing awareness then you can step into wholeness and the place of the soul. Um, I just want to say one other yeah. thing, and that is thinking that you can't do it, that someone <laughs> else might have judgment, that, you know, little shreds and threads of leftover judgment. Well, toss that on the side because you'll be surprised if you sit down with openness let me see what it's like to just sit here 
and not do, and B, uh, you may be very pleasantly surprised that you have a great starting point and maybe even be further along with that than you would think. Right, and, and what goes along with that is forget about what your expectation, what you think that should feel or look like. That's great. Right? That gets in the way. That's gotten away from me for so long. Mm -hmm. Oh, I read this story. I read somebody had this experience. It should look like this. should feel like that. That's not what I'm feeling. Right? And you're negating and you can't be the observer and just see what arises for you. There's no wrong response. Mm -hmm. If you can sit and just be the observer, then you're sitting in stillness. Then that will lead to amazing experiences, trust me. But I don't and know what yours let, are going to be. <laughs> and to let it be different each time yeah. that, you know, like with others, it's just not the same each time. You might stumble into something that's similar or has a felt sense about it or you have an idea once you accept that you're doing this. Uh, but, you know, be open to what might be new each time. So. so the last thing I want to talk about on this segment is um, what they say at the end. I think it's really, really important. It's really, it's been important for me and probably for you also. And it says that um, uh, you have to give up trying to know or figure it out for most doing for most, doing this seems foreign, untethered, and fearful. Mm. Of course, there's a suspicion inside that you're losing yourself. You're disintegrating or dying. And that is a very subtle experience, can be a very subtle experience. So if you're looking to be open to wholeness, Wholeness is a different experience than partness, than what you're, what you're used to experiencing. I'm used to experiencing Michael. I'm used to experiencing Michael as an alternative healer, as a father, as a husband, as living in the house, owning certain things, right? That is not wholeness. That is not my soul, right? And so it seems... It can seem very foreign, and I can't tell you how many, when I look at my journey and how I've evolved, there have been many, many levels where it was time for me to surrender my idea of who I am. Mm -hmm. And it could terrify me, because I would thought I was drowning, I thought I was dying, and, and it almost takes an act of faith that there's something on the other side. What if there isn't? <laughs> you know, that's the way the mind, my mind would think. And, and it still can happen when I'm offered another level of surrender into the wholeness, into the oneness. When I'm offered that, sometimes there's a part of me that kind of jerks back because, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to lose myself. And the thing is, every time I've done that, you do die. The concept of you dies and a greater you emerges. 
So you never lose you, you get a greater sense of you. But that's a concept. It's not enough to know that. I know that, but I can still feel that feeling. So I want to point that out for our listeners that you have to be brave. You have to kind of step out and you're not sure where you're going to fall, where that step's going. And when you're feeling that, then you're really on to something. You're really on to, wow, I'm really stepping into soul consciousness. I'm really stepping into wholeness or at least a feel for it. I'm allowing myself to lose my boundaries of who I think I am so that I can experience myself in a new way. And I think that's really important to watch for because a lot of times I see people holding themselves back. In fact, it's, it's even funny to me sometimes because I'll lead somebody through a process and they'll get into it and then they'll, then they'll pull back and they'll tell me, they say, wow, I was really going into this great place and then I pulled myself back, it scared me. So keep an eye out for that ego that gets scared of that and, and work with that part so that you can transcend that. And of course, Ellen was saying, you know, Ellen and I, we do processes with people that help them, you know, so that would be smoother. But if you can't do that, You'll never step into wholeness. What, what's your thoughts about that, Ellen? I think um, I just want to underline what you said is um, that fear of losing what you, what or how you think you are, or the way mm-hmm. you identify with an image of yourself, and that we are each much bigger than that, and we're stuck on in that instance, we're stuck on what we think we are. And that isn't the truth. And that's how it is um, an impulse of the ego. And the ego is being transformed. So, yeah, it's scared to death. So, it's okay. It's coming along with us in a new form, in a much better form. And, you know, that, that terror of death, I mean, you know, each day, each week, as we're growing, a part of us is, is dying. It's, it's mm-hmm. becoming like um, a worn out piece of clothing. So you drop it and then you keep going. You've got a new aspect of yourself. And um, so I think that part about being brave and that's the courage is to recognize and own that you're much more than you think. Your image of yourself. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Okay. So that's a good way to end this. Um, in our next discussion, we're going to do part three. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the soul and how to connect with it. And then we'll do a special meditation to give you a, a pathway or a one way to begin to really experience that. Having had the foundation of these conversations to hold, to allow yourself to go to the deepest, you know, level of you. So, so I was going to say, so thank you for joining yep. us for the Bringing Heaven to Earth series, right. episode number two, and uh, we'll be on to number three soon. All right. Have a, have a wonderful day, 
May your soul um, come inside your consciousness in a deeper way from this moment forward. Mm.